0: So we speak about the korban the, um, of the Gdali Yisrael the korban uh, of the people that were the in the Shamakla Israel. Yisrael so we've spoken about a few of the people that were killed out in the last korban. there's another Pachina of a tzaddik. It's not a bechina of the Arzel Avonin, but it says by Yitzchok Kavino that after the akeda he, he had a, he was considered Afrit tzovo munach tachas Even though he was still living, he was he was beetsim a sorov. His betsim was a kaddish, and he's seen as such and so on. I wanted a little bit try to remember the zech of somebody who was a of Afrit Savamunak, someone that survived the war, but was called Kulay he was an ember. I wanna think through a little bit the Panavijarov and the 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 he he was B destroyed B was destroyed in in, in, in the war. And he was, it was a of Aphatsov Munach, whatever he did afterwards. And we'll talk about it. Paul of Israel was born in 1886, approximately, in a small town called Kul. His name was And he was, from his early childhood, brilliant. He was tremendously, very brilliant, very sharp very, very streetwise, big piqueach, molichain. He was called, in yeshiva, he was called Yoshe Kula, Yoshe, Yosef Kula from the town Kula. At a young age, he was off to yeshiva, he, um, his parents saw his geshoines, and they sent him to yeshivas. He wasn't a few yeshivas, but his main two mekoimis that. What's Kveiya? His Demus and his Tzura was Tals Yeshiva, and Reb Gordon was his Rabbi muvak in learning. That was his Stam. Rabbi was Reb Gordon, and he was by the Chavetz Chaim and Karel and the Chavetz Chaim was the Demus that he saw in terms of Musser, in terms of the like he's, he wants to love somebody something in Chavetz Chaim. And the person said, Ah, does that gesagt the Chavetz Chaim? said that? And he said, Nein, das Lept the Chavetz Chaim. This is what the Chavetz Chaim lives. And the Chavetz Chaim was for him the demus, the mayur aderech, and the Mayor ira, for whatever he did, he would always ask himself, what do the Chavetz Chaim have said? Those are the two demuyos that formed his personality. He was a phenomenal Masmid as a bacha. He was also uh somewhat mischievous, was involved in some things, and, Yonim, and even when he was older, he, wouldn't, he would not tolerate a child that was a little more mischievous and say, Yashakula was also once upon a time a live wire, but his mother was incredible, and he married a daughter of one of the great Rabbani Milita, Rableville Kamira, and at the age of 25, 26... He took on, in 1911, he took on his first rabbanis in a small town called Vij. It was a hamlet, literally. He was a Rav for three years. And then World War I broke out. World War I destroyed the Kehillists in Europe. And he became, um, he stayed on, but there was nothing, it was Kharov. In 1918, he was asked to become Rav Panovich. Panovich was one of the three big cities in Lita. It was Shavla, Kovna, Kovna, Shavla, and Panovich. And he became Rav and in 1918. He was unique. He was someone whose breadth of vision was beyond anyone in Lita, probably beyond most people in, in Europe. The, the, the mentality in those days was to sit and be isik in your local things and the passing your shyness, and that's it, and and so on. He he started building almost the first day he came to Ponovich. He built a yeshiva, and he built a yeshiva for young boys, and he built a yeshiva, and he built a this, and he built a that. He, by the time the war came around, there were over a thousand Talmidim in his different moistness, it was it was a fanem. It was a, a, a scope of undertaking that was f- litvish rabbonim, Litvisher jury, and litvish rabbonim beteva were very tsenua kind of. They they, they, they they didn't they didn't have the hu-ha to deal with big things and big projects and undertakings. It was up to them, and he had a vision that was incredible. He was the only city. During between the wars, the matzav of Yiddishkeit and Litta went downhill rapidly, and in most big cities, the the, the people were already the vast the majority of people were already not real shomer mitzvahs anymore. In Punovich and, and there were splits in the Kehillah, the religious function of the rabbinate, and the chesed functions became more like what we would call federation type organizations. The, the rov didn't let that happen in Punovich. Panovich, a rav, kept all the maesthes under his anhaga. He cared as much for the chesed maesthes as the toyer maesthes, and toyer, as the, toyer as the chesed majestis. He personally took care of everything. They, they found in the Pinkas Kill of Panovich, a notation, this is typical, such and such a person is in terrible need. Uh, the rav and somebody else will go around from house to house collecting money. Uh, by Moaz he would... Um, he would decide how much every person has to give, and he would post it up on the wall, how much every person is supposed to give, and how much he gave. And he held it was mutter and right to do. And uh, nobody, uh, once or twice people tried to uh, bicker, and then they, they folded. He cared about every, every need of, and everybody needed something in Panovich. He cared about the next door. The door wasn't going to yeshivas anymore. There wasn't the Musik of an institution where everybody would go to a cheder and then go on to a yeshiva. There were yeshivas for Mitzrayanim. The f- economics dictated that was the only thing. And he built up moistis. He, um, he was able, he found a way to people that were not from. He was, in most, in most places, the Rabbanim either gave up or they were leichim. He was the only one. One of his tunes was he had a tremendous warmth and a tremendous ahava that shone, that radiated from him, and a tremendous pikhis, and very even-keeled, and with a sharp sense of humor. And he wanted the barbershop to close for Shabbos, so he would he would walk by, he put his head in and say, I couldn't Shabbos. And... Uh, there was one who was insisted on keeping it open, so he sat down in the chair, and every customer that came in. He wished him a good Shabbos, and that was the that was the end of the customers, and that was the end. He closed the store. a humorous way, once one barber told him that he's going to the priest to shmatzuk, so the you know like he's angry at him and he's going to go to the priest and become a Christian. So the Ralph told him, until you don't bring me a certificate, he said, certificates, I don't believe you. I'll, I'll, I'll keep wishing you good Shabbos. So he said, and when I bring the certificate, what are you going to wish me? So he said, good riddance. The, 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 he had the sparkle that people loved him, and he used it. More than anything else, he began to go collecting money all over the world. And... His, he needed, and, and there was no money in Europe. He tried in England and didn't go, and he tried in Europe. He wasn't getting anywhere. He started going to South Africa, eventually to America. Going to South Africa or to America in those days was a journey of weeks over 101 different ways you, you got to take the coach to the train, the train to the seaport, the seaport to the ship to this place, then from that place to the other place. It, it was an undertaking. You didn't, nobody, very few people were interested in giving money. The people in America, and especially South Africa, had become distanced from Tehra. The music of Tehra was, was alien to them. And, and it, was, it was very, very, very difficult to raise money, if at all. And the point of which, you never went. And he went, and again, and he was gone. Most of the time, he was wandering in all these places. As he wandered through South Africa and then America and other places, he, he began to see that Klal Yisrael is like the, it's like what we read in, in Yeheskel. It's sheep spread out. There's nothing. It, it's 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 just about slipping away, and. He would he would speak a lot more about Yiddishkeit than he would speak about money for his institution. He began somewhere longer to realize Hashem who had sent him Novanad to to, to 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 spread Yiddishkeit. He, he had tremendous karechadibur. There were places where they didn't let him speak, and he would say, "I want to say three things, three words," and they'd be curious, and then he would make a joke, and they'd want more of it, and then he would win them in. Because he was very, very, he was always drawing people in. He had a warmth and a chain and a sparkle. And he would talk again and again about Yiddishkeit. But more than anything else, he would tell the rabbanim in South Africa, the Marshall, lost up the voice and the on macht yeshivas. He said, if you want to save the dyer, you need to have a yeshiva. They need to learn. They need to learn something. I was once speaking to Baran Kraiz of of Racha. That's our Rabbi Kraiz's father, of Avracha. Baran father was from the noted Masmidim of the Mir, from the big Masmidim of the Mir. And uh, he was a tremendous Masmid, a tremendous Talmud Kochim. And he was, once he was in Yisrael, I met him as a we spoke and learning. then I was standing in the back in a and he, a little bit, he said over some. He, he was. I don't know how. This, I don't know how the conversation came to, but he was speaking about avos atayir. So the first person that he that flowed into his memory of a demus of avos was of Zerbochanim, he said you, there would never was a time Rabbi would miss a minute of a Saida. The starim were fixed in set in stone. And he remembered, he said, Rebbe Hanin once left to America for a year-long trip of fundraising. He said his coach his, 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 was supposed to take him to the train station at 10 o'clock. He said at 9 o'clock he sat down to say this sheer like regular. He said you couldn't notice a thing on him. He said the share with the same gelasen and the same ruikah, Rebbe Khanen was known for his calm... And methodical and so on and so forth at ten o 'clock he finished calls the gemara. he said me i 'll be gone till next year and beginning his man and uh, that was That was it and he he said it over, and then all of a sudden R- rabbikreis 's eyes misted. and he said, "But the punrov when he got up and and he sort of imitated him, and I, and I could see his eyes misting. it was very he, he wasn't a um, wasn't that type of person like of Kreiser. He was usually very coch uh, but his eyes missed it and he said, The Rav used to say Brider, learn, brothers come learn. And he said and, and he said the, the way in which that sucked up the people, you have no idea. He said that's to him that absate, the expression of, of of brothers, let's learn together. Was that to him? That, that was his uh, the, the, the the height of what he could picture as Avos And he would go from community to community, more often speaking about the Yiddish communities, about Yiddishkeit, about Tayra, about Klal about Akadish Baruch Hu. Those were the things. In in the twenty nine years that he was a rav by the time 939 came around, he had built up a city that was L'shem of It was in a certain sense the Frumstah city in litta This was when litta was going downhill. This was the city that had the largest spread of functioning Yiddishkeit. It had the most kids in Chinuch. It had Moistus L'shem shameless Seferis It had... Um, uh, it, it, it had a relationship, a community that functioned as a community, a tremendous achtes, with guided by the Murad Asra, in a way that was incredible, that was only Shaykh on the point of jarov And he was in his early 50s, in 1939, and it was Kraus's achievement. His black beard had become gray, and his hair white, he had, it, it was a constant battle to keep building and to keep the maesters going and to keep talking. And someone met him and he told him, Ponevich <laughs> Panevich, you become white. Had you become white? And in his humorous way, he said, von schwarze Arbeit. He said, from, from black work, you become white. You know, as he told him, you, was, you were black once, and I became so white. How did you become? He said, in Fashvarts, he said, you know, from Fashvarts, but that's where he was. He had a family. He had a wife, who was her Khmer's daughter. He had a, his oldest son, Bavrom, was a younger man, He wasn't, he wasn't but his pride and joy was a son named Yaakov, Yankale, who was a real Ilui, and at the early age of 20s, 20, 22, he went to Biskrov to learn. He was a uh, he was a uh, off the books Ilui, and he had his father's things. He had a little boy named Itzale, who was 10, 11, and a daughter Esteker, who was a woman reflection of Panavijarov. Every mila type that he had, she had as a woman. That's where he was in 1939. 1939. He had. They began to sense that there's a war coming. It was obvious. And he said, they offered him visas from South Africa, and he said, um, a captain doesn't leave a ship. They offered his son Yaakov in America to come, and he said, he himself. The son wrote that we are bnei lita. And uh, we're kigomul alimoi. We're, we're like children by a mother. We used a different type of hugger. This is where we are. This is where we stay. And he stayed. In 1939, Germany and Poland, and uh, Germany and Russia split up Poland, and the um, they, they, many of the Polish. Yeshivas ran away to Lita. We spoke about it, when we spoke about Chaimaiza and Vilna, and a flood of Polish politim came to Lita. Lita was still an independent country for another year or so, and the Ponevich Arav put all of his effort into finding food for all these refugees, food and place. Thousands of people flooded a town that was much bigger than them. And they needed, and, and he spent all his effort to make sure that they're holding on to them in 1941 4041 the communists took over, they invaded the Germans invaded one end. The, 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 the communists first invaded, they took over, and it was kind of an autonomous communist country. The government in Litter was at its wits' end what to do with all the Jewish refugees. They were very scared that somebody would use it as an excuse to invade them. The, the, the so-called Polish government, they, they, whatever it is, anything. And they told the that he has to go to Washington. He had been in America. He had some connections. To be plural in Washington to bring in all the refugees, to let all the refugees, uh, uh, Jewish refugees into uh, America. They gave him... Uh, diplomatic passport he was supposed to go with Kovnarov it it didn't make any sense, but there was no data they, they, they told him they didn't give him a choice they said you have to go and it had it was it was a thread of hope for everybody and he set out to go the, 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 Kovnarov did not go in the end Ko was too sick he was, had cancer and he was dying and he didn't go and he went himself the goodbye people felt, people knew people sensed the air didn't sense what's going to happen but they're in for terrible times and uh, he he asked he made a draft, he said it's 21 years that I've been robbed here and uh, and I've, you know, if anyone if I owe anybody any money, if I'm left over any debts he was always incurring terrible debts for the yeshiva and so on and so forth, I want to pay him now He'd tell me right after Shabbos, and I'll pay him, and so on and so forth. And it, it was strange, because he would be traveling. He was always traveling. I mean, he, he was never there. He was always going back and forth, and never was a big commotion. This time, they took all the children from the Cheder and the Basis semim and all the children of town, Um, they went to say goodbye. It was a very unusual moment. And as he's standing there looking around, and all the kids of the town—the kids from the and the kids from the, Cheden, the, kids from the West, him and hundreds, and hundreds and hundreds of kids, maybe thousands—and one kid yells out, "Nemir mit, take me along!" And they all started chiming along, "Nemtun zmit, nemtun zmit," and all the kids in Panovich. And he said, "That's the memory. That's the memory that he carried." His last day, the children of Panovich begging Nememit. And that's why, that's what I meant that it was Afrit Munach. He wasn't living his own life anymore. At the age of 52, 53, 54, that age approximately, he, he couldn't go to America directly. He went out to Stroll. And he landed in Tel Aviv. He had an m- old mother who lived in Tel Aviv, and a brother. And his son had ordered to in Israel. His son, from the older one, had been forced out because the army was after him to draft him. And he ran away and he ended up in Israel. So he was there also. Avram, landed in 1940 in Israel. And he realized the communists had taken over. There's no going back. There's... Rummel was on the way to conquer Israel. And it was a moment in time that was as hopeless as could possibly be. There was nothing happening. The jaws, it's like watching your loved ones in the jaw of, of a shark, and the jaws snapping shut, and you can't do anything. Europe was closing in. The, the, the communists on one side, the Nazis on the other side, and it was crushing everything in between. Yisrael was about to be crushed. Rommel was about to take that in. And there was a hope. And the Rav himself couldn't stay in Yisrael because the British had, had a thing about that anybody who comes to an country, suspects being an enemy. So he might be a Nazi spy. There was the English there was the that was the cultured mindset. The Pikhim and the Chachomim and the um, civilized ones. So he was told that it's possible in Beirut he could possibly get a visa for himself and his family. He um, so he went to speak to Rabbi Yaakov Halpern. Rabbi Yaakov Halpern was a big veer who owned a lot of property in who owned a lot of property in Pnai area and so on. And he spoke with him about about. Um, you know, how to get the visas, how to get his own certificate to stay there, because they're going to throw him out, and, and, you know, how you go to Beirut, whatever the plans they needed. As he walked out of the house of, of Rabbi Yaakov Halpin's house, he looked around, it was, like, there was a mountain, it was like a hill, and it was open space, and very nice. And he says, what a beautiful place. This is the place to build a yeshiva. And Dr. told him, you know, he said, this is some of the most expensive property I have. It's beautiful property. It's sort of overlooks, it's like close off to the ocean. And a big doctor wants to build here a sanitarium and so on. But I'll tell you what. If it's for yeshiva, I'll give it to you for 500 lirot, which was a very reasonable price. But tonight, you start building within a year. So the rav said, "Fantastic deal." The um, and that's it. S- the um, the rav was walked out, and he met um Shaul Zolty, who is He writes a story, and he says, "Ah, skumpa Mazlotov, I just bought for yeshiva." And Saul Zolti looked at him, and looked at him, and, and, and like, what are you talking about? You're homeless, hopeless, a refugee without a place to be, who's about to be expelled from here. Your wife, your children, your kehila, all European Jewry is now caught in a trap. And it's crushing. And Israel is about to be invaded. And it's not going to be much better here. What are you talking about? Uh, he couldn't, and the the rav was somebody in, um, in in who Tanakh was always on his mouth, and he said uh, uh, he, he he said a parsha to him. It was a shem to me. He you're about to be offered a piece of property in Anasis. And Hanamul came and he said, yeah, would you buy this? I bought it and I wrote a star on it. And I said, and so on. And then I said, then Yirmiyah turns and he says, "When I finished the deal, I wrote up the star, I gave it to Baruch for safekeeping, I turned to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and I said, He words and so on and so forth, everything, and he goes through it and he says, and they didn't do what they're supposed to do. Everything you said bad is going to happen. is happening. Your Nevus that you've given me till now are all being Eskayim. Eretz is about to be the Ramps and batteries have come to the city to capture it. They're there, the Bavlium are there, and they're setting up. And the city is about to collapse because everybody's dying of hunger, of, of, of disease, and by the sword. And everything you said, HaKadosh Baruch you said, came true. We see it. And you tell me I go by a field because of what are you talking about? The nevu is that you sent me. Yerushalayim is going to be a heretic city, desolate, nothing. It is going to be in the ground, and, and, and now you send me by a field. What does it mean? And that's what the Ruf told him. He said, yes, the soil is and this and that, and now I'm buying the field because there will be a yeshiva here. And this is where Torah will come again. It was his ashkafa. His ashkafa on everything, far, far ahead of everybody else. And the reason was because it came from there. He came to, he was once... Visited Reb Chaskal, uh, Sainer once when he in that kufa, and Reb Chaskal, uh, said, "Oh, Panivit what are you? What's What do you think of doing here?" He said, "I'm building a yeshiva for 500 bachrim in Nebrak. There were not 500 bachrim all of which all together learning at the time, if, let alone uh, and, and, and and whatever was was a heaven this. And Reb Chaskal Sainer turned pale." And a look crossed his face. Oh my gosh, he's he he, he he snapped. He's he he lost his family. He lost everything, and, and he's pushed He's pushed Not there. And the Panevich noticed it. He was a Rav and he grabbed the arm and he said to Abkhazka, "In twenty five years from now." there will be not one million, not two million, m- more millions of people will be living here, and we won't have enough yeshivas for them. They asked him, what is he doing here? And he said, when they, when they took out in the in the in, in Uge Malchus, when they took out Reb Chananya Ben Tradian to be killed, in Sefer So the Brisa says they asked him, "What did you see?" And he says, "Oisius perches ba'avir." He said, "The gvilin of Europe are being burnt. The, the gvilin of Europe are being burnt. The oisius are perches ba'avir." There's, 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 there's a world full of neshamis, of Torah, that's waiting to settle in on gvilin. Our job is to prepare the gvilin for them. But he, he, th- you can destroy the gvilin, but the Oasis you can't destroy. The ba'avir the, 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 the they, they stay, and they wait for gvilin. What, how, when, we don't know. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is burnt the Sefer Torah. Now we have to pray a new Sefer Torah to write it down again. His, the, the, he spent the next three, four years uh, the, within a year he started building as the, as the plan was and it was in the hottest Kufa. The dedication ceremony was him, Chazanish and a few other Abanim Rabbi Yaakov Landau, the Rav of and a handful of people made no no. They couldn't. They couldn't make any uh, PR. It wasn't Shaykh They put out a board with a piece of paper on it. That was the table, and they put a plate, a plate with some cookies, and, and and a few bottles of soda. That was the Hanukkah sabbayis. And at Hanukkah sabbayis, it was the Hanukkah sabbim pina. And as the Panevich bent over to mix the cement and uh, start, you know, mix the cement and put it in, his, his body was racked by sobbing. He started sobbing, crying. And his tears went in. They said there was more tears than there was cement. And he finished it, it. and Chaznish turned to him and he said, Panevich just when you make a dedication with whiskey and cake, sometimes it's a sliach, sometimes not. But when you dedicate something with tears, we have There's a of the melech that will be The next years, till 1945, 46 he spent, no one knew what was happening. They knew terrible things were happening. They kept hearing no one knew where their family was. Nobody knew where their children were. Whoever was at soul that had gotten out was, was in limbo. And he went from shtibel to shtibel, shul to shul, mokum to mokum. In every place he would speak. A bim There was, and, and they've written down all, all many of it, there's just a numeral amount. It was always he, he walked in Tel Aviv to a shulchul and they were sitting and learning Dafaymi. And he stood up and he said, No, no, I want to learn with you. He sits down with one of them. And when the Magatshir finished after Mayev so sort the of Rob started speaking like and everybody got around him, he was a enormous speaker. And they said he said, You know, I I I thought I'd coming to be you. I got so much khizak, people work so hard, and you come on a blood gemara." And he, and he spoke about the cheshivas of it. And then, he's, then he started speaking with everybody's heart. And he says, Givald, where are we? We don't know where the brothers are, where the sisters are, where the children are, where this, And until everybody's crying. And he says, Let's say tillim. He says, That the only thing to hold on to when things are impossible is ta'ir. And that's what we're holding on to. And that's why it's so important this was every place he went his message was that without Torah there's nothing to hold on to he spoke someplace there was once when he let his feelings come through his personal feelings was he was speaking somewhere near Tel Aviv I think it was the Groshul on, on the Yarkon and then in the middle he just burst into tears and he says Raboisa I, I can't help myself he says Today is the Bar Mitzvah of Mayitzikl. And I don't know. Is he? Is he not? Where? What? When? And he started sobbing. And then he said, No, it's not only my child. I have to think of many, many other children. I have to think of the children. It's not right. The end of the war left him a person at the age of 55, 56... Who had put in an entire life of work into building a family, into building uh, um, in, in, into building a world up? The efforts that he turned white, the, the battles he fought, the buildings he built, the people he had, his kids, his community, everything—everything everything was gone. It Was like Eyoif. Nothing. A wind came and destroyed his entire life. And at the age, it's mid 50s, a destroyed life, Aleph an extraordinary full life, Aleph he needed to make a decision that he would start building again. His wife, who's a big Tzadakis, obviously, name was Herbert Fager. she said and ada said over that when they took them to be killed well, two, two things first of all they had made some status and she with the kids could have been saved and some some bureaucratic snafu happened and it fell through and when she heard that she said akarishbar who knows whom to save and when she, when she was being led a Girish Hashem, and the Rav would say it over, she said, I'm so glad my husband, Rabbi Yash is out because the world needs him so badly now. Very, very different way of looking at things. Punimba Rav started rebuilding. his vision and and his 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 vision and his ahava. It, it, it was Today in Ertis Yisrael, the non from people, their attitude is live and let live. No, I just want to be left alone, let me do what I want to do and that's it. That's kind of the main prevalent attitude. The attitude in those days was Let's teach them how to live. Let, you know, it's ace losses Let's pull the from people in because we want to cut their payers and put them on shorts and show them what life is about and what israel 's about. It was very, very tough. And there, there's a letter from Rev. Herzog, who's the, um, who was the chief rabbi, and he, and he was aligned. He was sort of a moderate in between, kind of. Um, and a kid wanted to go in Harod. There two kibbutzim, and the halel, were notorious for their anti frumness and their, you know, hachis. And a kid was debating, a, 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 a poet was debating going there, and the Panevich, and, and Rev. Herzog writes him a letter. Even I, when I walk into Encharod I feel a kri Nirah. I feel a terrible cooling of myself, my Yiddishkeit. Ponin had a different look. Ponin got up, there was an convention, a Sifa in Kedar and everybody was talking about the Torah Matzim, Torah and the Ponin said, We need to prepare Tfil Lem for the Kindalach of El and Yeshivas for the Kindalach of Nahalel. People I don't know what to make of it, but, he, but he, he said it. He swept everybody up. And there was a shul opened up recently in Herod. There were, there were people started coming from. It, it was a vision of Netzach Yisrael that was bigger than everybody's vision. It, because he saw Klal Yisrael betoy He once said, Yisrael k'toishim. There's kachim that became Tomei, and there's kachim that yotzeh chutzah. There's all sorts, but the shem kachim stays because that's Kaddish. K-Kaddish. And he began looking at at Israel with eyes of building and so on. There was another tchuna of the Panavija rav that makes him stand out extraordinary. People who had to cope emotionally with what he co- had to cope with. The, the, the sight of hundreds of children saying, "nemich mit, nem zmit, the memory of a wife, the memory of children, the memory of a city, of a town, of a country. Many of them closed themselves off emotionally. Many of them just stopped feeling. <clears throat> In other words, they acted kind of mechanically. That was one way of coping with it. So you don't get in touch with your feelings. You don't. There was gedolim that wouldn't kiss a child, touch a child, because they couldn't. It 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 would. brought back searing memories. They couldn't do it. And they. Panavicharov exuded. It's as if he gathered all the warmth that had that had been burnt and projected it. He, he built, the first thing he built was a, an orphan home for children. He called it a base office. He says, it's not a home for children. It's a home for us to be fathers. He, he Every bochah that he took in, every person he came contact with, he exuded a tremendous amount of av. It's almost as if all that feeling and all that regish became projected in that. And Rabbezal Paczynski was, well, the Alter Sabotky was very, very short, and he was a Bacher in Panovich. And he was laying on a bench one evening. He was sort of going to sleep. And the Panovich role was standing with Abba Grossbart, who was the Mashkiach. And they didn't notice he was laying on the bench. He was kind of small and it was kind of dark. He sort of So he overheard the conversation that he probably wasn't supposed to be. And Robert Grospeit had lost his family in the war. Never could remarry. Just emotionally, he couldn't. He, he, couldn't, he, was, all, he was a withdrawn person. Big tzaddik, big Adam uh, Krasa. But that was it. And he was standing with the Panevich And he told him, Panevich Rav, we us. How do you do it? I can't. I can't. How do you deal with your emotions? And the rav said, "Ich I build with my emotions. I, 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 I I channel it into building it. Every child that I take in and that I give him love and warmth and embrace and care. That's that's what I do with it. And and there was something that was extraordinary." It was something that... Pedarkal, a person who's not a sensitive person, not an emotional person, can deal with things, you know, so... It's not. But somebody who's so sensitive, so so his emotions are so powerful, and they ought to deal with it, that was what the Rav did. The Rav spent 29 years in Rabbanis. In 29 years in Rabbanis and Panovich, at Panovich and Vij together, and 29 years now, it's Yisrael. He, it was... HaKadosh Baruch had been maher of an entire world. Like Iov. almost like Iov. And he, he picked himself up and rebuilt a world. He built every moister under the sun possible. And he was already an older person now physically not well. He, in his first year in Eretz he lost his voice. He went to a doctor. And that doctor said, you have cancer in the throat, and you have a year to live. And he started making plans who should take over, and who should take, o- take over a yeshiva that didn't exist. Take over, and who should take care, and who should this, and who should that. And... Um, and then a year later, they decided he made a mistake. It was it was not that, but he lived like that. He became very sick in Europe. In, 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 in well, he was on a on a. He was in uh, in Amer- in America. Or it was, it was in America, and he became very sick. His kidneys um, failed, and they had to do a very difficult operation to remove a kidney. A second time, he had a clot in his foot that they said they needed to amputate. Barak they didn't. Um, and he, was, he, was, he knew pain and suffering all his years. It was a life of Eve. The one thing that wasn't Eev was his face, his voice, his warmth, his embrace and everything. And he left us with some Ashkafis. He left us with Ashkafis about the war no one can say hashkafer about what happened except for a person who was there and one hashkafer was he brought a postage someplace that it's called a yoimah and he said why is it a yoimah the day of Khurban. so he also said over a parakel in Yecheskel he says <laughs> are you following the reserves of your forebears are you following the reserves of your forebears Um, I'm going to look after you call Yisrael that which you think would happen that you would become it will never happen that which you say that you're going to become like the Goyim that will never happen. And if you don't do chuva, chayoninum ha-shem alekim, im lo yibiyad chazaka v'zorayin et tuyo v'chem ha If I won't unleash every power in the Bria to force malcha shemayim on you, v'atseis yashem min ha-amim, I'll take you out from the amim, v'kibat sti yashem min ha-ratseis, bom, and I will take you out from the old z'ratseis v'yad chazaka v'zorayin et tuyo v'chem I will take you out with an outstretched hand and with a horrendous anger. And I will bring you to Midba Amim. So the So of said, Akarish Baruch Hu has taken Kalyasol out, gathered them, it's Mamish, into the ghettos, into the concentration camps, and made a mishpat between them and Umas But there's two more words in the Pasik. The only other time, Moshe Rabbeinu is Panim El Panim. And when I cut a Hun is Yom Chemash is Molech Biat Hazoka. And Claudius Ral, it's a Yom of Panim El Panim. Panim Zoyafis, but it's Panim El Panim. That's what someone who lived it. That's Arze El the a because it's a day of ponim al ponim. Someone asked him, "Doesn't it say malachim?" It says when they took up akiva, the malachim was zoyek. Malachim mar Koyun, you know zutayev zuchara, and the ponim said, "Malachim ask shilas, Yidin don't." It's a it's 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 the mile of Chai Israel. And finally, one last point that he said. Someone asked him. Someone met him, and he said, "Ponivu Javov, me Tell me the truth, Ponivu Don't you have caches?" And he said, "I have only one big question that I really struggle with." That I haven't answered yet fully. And the question is why did I remain? Am I fulfilling the Tachlis? If HaKadosh Baruch took me out from there, did I fulfill the Tachlis? I, I didn't get out because of my schosim. I got out because of what I expected to do. And he said, that's the question that I don't have a good answer for yet. he brought a Medrash also, it says, the that they themselves also should have been destroyed by Kashpah, was Rechem Al-Aaron. That was, that was the Arzeel levonin that was the Ashkafa. that was the life they lived, and his personal Gehenim lasted 30 years. It was Nifton 69, and from 39 to 69, he lived with the memories of, of his wife, of his children, of the children of the town, of the people, of the Lidvier- He had a tremendous a and for Yisrael, He lived with those memories. Thir- it, was, it was 30 years he lived with having to start from the bottom when he was at the top. And built, but it was always with a happiness, with a warmth, with, 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 with so much chain and chies. If you look at a, a picture of the panavicher rav, it jumps at you. There's there's the worn out, the the the, the 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 face that has that has deep ridges, the 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 the, the, the um, toil. The, the the eyes that sparkle with chachma, and the smile and the warmth that almost leaps out when you see it. I want to finish with one. The bracha that a koyan makes by beraz kainim is asha of mitzvoisav mitzivana levarach es ame be ahava kadosh's koyan is ahava. The rav. Because of who he was, because of what Akash Baruch had put him through, is probably the Dugma of the Ketusha of Ava, an Ava that comes because he sees past the Chutz, where everybody else saw angry faces and mocking um, youth. He saw Neshamas that are someday going to want Talus and film and learning. He saw that the Yiddish Neshamah wants to learn. And that no matter, wherever, wherever there is, he embraced, calling his soul, brida. Real sense of that. And if we're brida, then what more could I want for you than to learn? That was the of the Ava, and the Kedusha of Ava that this particular Arzeel that suffered 29 years of burning gave over to us.